Liz, are you with us? I am. How are you? Hello. Good. I'm great. How are you? Fine, thank you. How's and, uh, it's, and it's David and Justin, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hi, David. David. Hello. David's the southern one, uh, <laughs> and I'm the normal one. Don't hold me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That wasn't fair. I don't know, David. Uh, <laughs> you should come back at him, I think. <laughs> we love David. He knows well, it. Yeah, I think the food's in the pudding. <laughs> so how are you doing this evening? Thanks for, uh, thanks for be- spending some time with us. We do appreciate it. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. David and I are in the habit of bringing people on who who we feel can really impact the world we live in, and more importantly, where that change actually starts, and that's with each and every one of us. And it's kind of a hard task picking out folks that that, that we feel really are out there in the trenches and kind of you know fighting the good fight. And we believe you're one of them, so we wanted to get you on here and, and talk about the. Uh, your story and some of the things you do, and there's just so much to talk about. I heard you ask what a what a life coach is. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and um, if I can just mention about that, it, it's actually very dear to my heart, and I, I call it life ownership coaching. And mm-hmm. um, I decided to become one because it, it really is about people deciding what kind of life they're going to have, how to keep going in their dreams, how to get past um, the obstacles, how to make the goals, and how to honor themselves because their lives are, are very important. That That's just my belief there, that every single life is precious and, and um, deserves the honor of, of reaching their dreams. And so life coaching, just like a pro athlete would have a coach to push them to be better in the physical part of a sport, a life coach pushes you to attain the things you think you might not be able to attain. And the life coach will tell you that it absolutely is possible. So <clears throat> that is kind of a little summary of, of what a life coach is. That's, that's very similar to my, my internal dialogue. I call it self-acquisition. And that's basically getting to know your willpower and how to use it. But it's uh, essentially the same exact thing. Yeah, and I call it the drive within. Mm-hmm. The the part of you, uh, just like what you're saying, David, that it's the part of you that keeps you going when um, other things can stop you. It's the part mm-hmm. of us that that uh, gets somebody to the moon. It's It's the part that builds bridges and skyscrapers and invents things. Um, when other people say no, it's the part of you that says yes. So why do so many people, why is it so difficult for them to find this? Have they, you know, where do these blocks come from? Are they, I mean, are people throwing blocks in front of people? Are they blocking themselves? What, I mean, what's going on with these folks? Well, a lot of times it's um, it's our experiences. Um, there are only two things that motivate us, and that is um, success, so to speak, or or. Uh, um, having a dream come true or some way saying it like that. And the other one is fear. There's only two things that motivate us. One with the fear is that if that's what you feel, you, that will hold you back. And everyone has experienced it in their childhood or, or through their life. Uh, great example is fear of speaking. And <clears throat> it doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't always have to be true. Our brains are are a wonderful thing, but they are computers. And they will take in all information and never decide if it is correct or not. They'll just take it in. And it makes programs. So somewhere along the line, someone said, um, be fearful of public speaking. Never get in front of people. It's a horrible experience. (laughs) And somewhere along the line, uh, we believe that, or some of us believe that. We we took it in, whether we ever spoke in front of someone or not. We just decided that was true. Um, so those are programs that happen in our lives that, that because someone told us or because we saw something happen or because we uh, made it up in our own heads, um, we start believing things. The great thing about coaching, though, and a great thing about a computer, 
is that it can be reprogrammed. And I'll keep the example of public speaking. Uh, someone can go all the way through elementary and, and junior high and be afraid of public speaking, finally get up in front of people and love it because they had such a great experience. Mm-hmm. Normally it's not that quick, though. Um, but it has happened, or they go into acting and find out that, hey, acting's great, singing's great, there's nothing to be afraid of. And uh, and then that program that is in your brain is is thrown away, and the new program comes into being. So only those two motivators are there. Do you ever run into anybody that has seemed to have lost their purpose or reason? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I see that a lot in my life. Um, they they sometimes lose their or never find it. Mm-hmm. We'll put it the other way too. Um, and this is something that is discussed big time in coaching. Um, who do you want to be, and where do you want to go, and what do you want to say at the end? Because there will be an end for everyone. What is it that you want to say at the end? Do you want to say, I regret, or do you want to say, I did my best? So you have to make those decisions consciously, and it's something that's not taught. Our society does not teach this. It teaches you how to get to a career. It doesn't exactly teach you how to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I try to visualize the, the entire situation, um, not just not just in the you know verbal putting it in words, but I try to actually have an image in my head of of what it would be like to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, the the clearer of an image you can have at the destination, uh, that gives you clues about what you got to do to get there. You know, absolutely. I mean, if if you're if you're wanting a if you're wanting a farm and all that stuff. You're never gonna, you're never gonna reach that living in downtown Detroit. You know, first you got to get to where there's land, and then you got to have a, a structure, and then, you know, like another, another person said, uh, we had another host on, another guest, and she said, people try to go out and get the barn and all that stuff when, actually, they just need to be building a stable. You know. Yeah. Well, they, they try yeah. too hard, and they try, they aim so high so fast that. It, it, it doesn't happen in the timelines that they have set forth as if as if you can put a timeline on something like that. And when it doesn't happen, they get discouraged. Sure. And then they quit. Sure. One of the, what you're talking about is is um, great stuff that you're bringing up because um, first of all, it's visualization, which is terrific. Visualize where you want to be and um, what you want to accomplish. When we when when people do that, they visualize the destination. I want to go to England, and I want to buy a cottage, and I want ten acres, and you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and three sheep. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I picked three, <laughs> but <laughs> three is a good number. <laughs> You can't do nothing with one. So. <laughs> okay, so that's that's a wonderful dream. Maybe that will fulfill their life fully. There's no judgment there. Terrific. That's what you want to do. And you have you have visualized the destination. What you have not visualized, and kind of what you were talking about there, David, is all the little goals to get there, mm-hmm. all the traveling along the way to get there. It's not like you can visualize a car and and it'll show up tomorrow morning. That's that's not what anybody's saying. The mind again being a wonderful computer is going to figure out how to take the steps to get there. Mm-hmm. And along the way there's going to be a whole lot of obstacles. It's just the way it is. It's and you just... have to deal with those individually. Yes. Mm-hmm. And however, once you have that dream those obstacles aren't, aren't looked at the same way. No. They are not so big anymore. They're just kind of 
I don't know, I think maybe testing along the way to make sure that you are on the right track. I think it all is the energy you put forth, the energy that comes back, and the people along the way noticing the opportunities that come along the way. It's been my experience that I've worked in in corporate environments, and you have these people, a huge group of people, and they have such a problem with setting goals. Now that we're speaking about goals, they have such a problem with, to me, a lot of the times it has to do with being realistic. You can't grow up in the ghetto and then expect the next day to be a millionaire. But, you know, some people's goals seem so unrealistic that that may cause them to fail as well. Do you see that often? What I see is that they need to learn to write goals. And we've already seen, in your example, people getting out of the place that you talked about. Sure, the ghetto. sure. And, and we've uh, seen people start businesses and... and uh, um, people that were completely 100% poor on uh, J.K. Rowling, um, you know, uh, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. She she was a single mother about to be kicked out of apartment because she didn't have a dime to her name. And most people would have thought she could have never done it. <clears throat> and, of course, now she's she's done it pretty well. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah. <laughs> probably better than... Probably better than a lot. <laughs> a lot <of> <laughs> yeah, and people don't know her story of being refused over and over and over and over, but she never gave mm-hmm. up on it. And, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was another one in high school told that he didn't know how to play basketball <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and went home and cried, you know. And um, I think with the goals, it's 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 deciding that you are... are um, going to define these and a lot of times what happens with goals is we don't define them we don't even write them down you know people don't write them down well if you don't write it right. down basically it's not a real goal because your mind's just going to kind of throw it all over the place up there and and forget about it and then it'll come back a little different and and then three days will pass and on and on and on so you have to write it down and very specifically it's like asking asking a vague question, you get a vague answer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't want to have it vague at all. You want to know exactly what you need to do. And and we say like a goal. There's many goals. There's going to be hundreds of goals. And for a very good reason. So that you know you're succeeding along the way. So that it feels good to get them done. So that you can see your progress. So you can see how close you're getting to your goal. So you can make adjustments. Um, None of this is is overnight. But it is a wonderful course to be on. Certainly better to know where you're going. And to be able to to look around and see where you've been. Rather than just just kind of floating along not knowing anything, that would be kind of scary, I would think. Uh, well, it is, and it lets you get off course. And none of this is either or. It's like um, people get on a course, they come out of school, and they get on a course, and they get a job. And then they decide, maybe, I don't like that job, so I'll look for another job. And then, you know, they get off course because they meet someone, and and they're not paying more attention to that person than they are to the career and on and on and on, or something happens with the family, or something happens with ever, uh, with something else or whatever. And that's what I mean about not having the goals, because if you don't have the goals, there will be distractions. Mm-hmm. And there will be many distractions. I mean, just think of the amount of information that you see in one day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's an incredible sure. amount of, of information. And people will give advice, <coughs> and that's wonderful, but that doesn't mean you have to take the advice, but if you don't have goals, you might think you have to take the advice. And, um, you know, even when I've dealt with employees and teams as a team builder, if the team doesn't know what the coach wants, you won't get it, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. And it's not their fault. Yeah. It's not their fault. They're trying to understand but if they don't know exactly what you want um, daily, then yeah. they're just going to kind of make things up. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and just to, just to piggyback on that real quick, if I may, 
what you're saying is not micromanaging either. That's just <laughs> letting people know what, what you need from them to be so that we all can be successful at the same time. Uh, I see this happening daily sometimes where people are just bumping into each other and, and they get so frustrated and they get so just fed up with themselves and, and it really has nothing to do with them. It's just they don't understand where what they need to do exactly. Right. And what's happened is they don't have goals. The coach did not give them goals. And the coach did not define it so that they would know if they were succeeding. Any team, the purpose of it is to succeed. <laughs> That's the purpose of it, whatever task they have. And mm-hmm. if they don't know what success is, the goals are, the destination is, even in everyday business, everyday business, you want certain things done every day. And if they've done that, then they have succeeded for the day. And that's great. And I even put this into the C's of team building. And there's a lot of C's, as in the letter C, Um, just so people can remember it. There are a lot of things that go into team building, and and, um, there are one of the biggest things that will make or break it is communication. It will just either make the team or it will break the team, and that is every single day. If you are being clear on Tuesday and unclear on Wednesday, Wednesday will start falling apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and you have to make sure that you have communicated the um, directives in a way they understand. Now, I've been in business a long time, and what I see is that most managers or coaches or directors or VPs or CEOs, I don't care who it is, talk to a group. Mm -hmm. They talk to the group. And they spell it all out in in, uh, one, two, three, four, and outlines and PowerPoints and all of that stuff. And don't know for sure when you're done your presentation if anyone understood that at all. Mm-hmm. Seriously, yeah. Yeah. how do you know they understood it? <laughs> and they walk off yeah. the stage and expect that everyone understood it. Well, the since we back in the production numbers, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but some time <laughs> has to pass on that. And usually, what's happening is the director is correcting, and then the manager is correcting, and then the leader, you know, coach, and then to the employee. So it's gone through five people to to make sure that that's all understood. I'm just saying, um, checking with the people that you're speaking to, which is the frontline employee, and having them um, reiterate it back might be, and I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking one here, one there, another right. one over there, and see what they're giving back to you. Did they understand it or not? Sure. That's just a check and balance system. And it's a two-way street, isn't it? From uh, oh yeah. From the employee uh, point of view, if I'm standing here hearing a lecture, and and the guy is speaking Greek on me, <laughs> at the end of it, it's my responsibility to say, hey man, you know, you need to you need to come clean with me. Just let me know what you need. <laughs> that is true. If there's the opportunity presented to do that, mm-hmm. that is true. Yeah. And not always is it presented because sometimes it's a very large group. But they should go to their director or something like that, David, and say, I didn't understand a thing he said. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this dude from? What is he What is he talking about? Who's this Justin character on the radio? What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, but yeah. what's going to happen if, if uh, you're in a group and... and David, you sound like you would go up and say, hey, I didn't understand that. But look at what else happens in employees. They're afraid to go up because they think that they're going to be thought of as stupid if they go up and say they didn't understand a thing. Because somebody a long time ago said that they would be stupid if they asked questions. That's right. And they believed it. And they believed it. Or they believed they were going to lose their job. Or they believed they wouldn't get a good review. Or they believed the director would be mad at them. <clears throat> and um, 
one of the biggest things in team building is to tell them it's okay to be human. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is absolutely okay to be human. And um, it, it is never a problem to come and ask a question. And we've heard that all our life. It's funny that everybody doesn't believe that. <laughs> right. Well, I, I found quite the opposite to be true myself. Um, I'm under the opinion that all bosses and all teachers love questions. They Absolutely. love you to be interested in their topic. They do. So they do. Points, you know. So how did we get to the point where some people believe they don't? And that's I, how you grow up. That's how what you yeah. believe. That's what you take in. That's maybe uh, somebody in second grade, one teacher might have said, well, that's a silly question. And you took right. it in as if it was the truth. <laughs> Right. Or even even your parents. I mean, your parents really have a huge impact, even more so than a teacher. If you're telling people all day long, your children, don't ask me that, or that's a stupid question. You say that yep. enough times, it becomes the truth. Yeah, and it may not even be meant in the way it sounds. And it probably it may, usually isn't, right. It may not have been meant to hurt you, but right. but it did. Well, as you said a, a few minutes ago, you know, we take in so much, so much is going around, on around us, and we soak up so much, most of it we don't even realize it because it's just being sucked in, it's just being, you know, soaked up, and that, that could be one of those things. Mm-hmm, you just, absolutely. You're just soaking it in, right? You're just soaking it in, and one day, when the when the opportunity presents itself, you remember that. And and it's like, well, I'm not going to ask a question because you're not going to remember why you're not going to ask a question. You just know that you probably shouldn't. Yeah, and you don't even know where it comes from because it's a trigger. Mm-hmm. Something triggers right. it. You don't even know it's triggered. You don't know what triggered it. And immediately you have this feeling of, I'm not asking. I, I, that's stu- they'll, know, they'll think I'm stupid. And you don't even know where it came from. But to deal with it, an unwanted behavior like that is to recognize it and ask yourself, yeah. why do I do that? Sure. <laughs> Where did that come from? How do I change that? And and when you get a hold of a behavior you don't want to have, now is your chance to change it. Sure. <clears throat> but sure. a lot of times we just let it slide by. Oh, we just, you know, we're out of the situation. We don't think about it again until... Somebody says, does anybody have any questions? <laughs> right, right. You know, I can't tell you how many presentations I've given. I've, I've given so many presentations. And I always give, I always give myself 20 minutes, sometimes maybe a little less, but, but I always give myself a lot of time to take in questions because I know, I know that there's people out there that, that have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about uh, because I'm not using, I'm, I'm not giving it to them in a way that they would understand. Because we all understand things differently, we all learn differently. I never have questions. It seems like there might be a few. Certainly not enough to fill up the, the 15 minutes that I, you know, I allowed for questions. That's scary, um, Justin. No, <laughs> maybe, but you know, uh, when it comes to my children, my wife. She 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 grinds her teeth every time they ask me a question, because she knows I'm going to give it to them. She knows, no matter what they ask me, they're going to get it uh, in the best way that I can give it to them. Um, and sometimes, you know, that might be a little more than than the missus wants them to hear at their age. But uh, you know, I, I I can't think of any other way to to, you know, if they want to know something. I have to tell them. I'd rather tell them than let somebody else. I mean, you know, wouldn't you think that's the that's kind of the point? No, it's great they're asking you questions, and children will have lots of questions. And uh, in my um, certification, my training, when a child asks a question, <clears throat> especially when they're under pretty much 10 and below, pretty much that, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. it's depending on the child, you only give as much till the question stops, till the questioning yeah. stops. Mm-hmm. And that is because children can only take in um, so much information about stuff. Um, 
and the best indication is when they quit saying why or how or what do you mean or what's that um and they just sit there very quietly for a couple seconds and then go off and play they've had enough <laughs> right but you know what's great about that Liz what you just said what's great about that is that they are paying attention yes a grown up <laughs> A grown-up will ask you questions and not even pay attention to what you're saying. So, you that know, it's great. Exactly, that is exactly where I was going with the next question, Justin, because we're talking about communication. Yes. And, we, uh-huh. and we've discussed communication between, like, a boss and employee or between two employees or whatever, teacher, student, all these mm-hmm. different parent, uh, parent, uh, you know, kid, that kind of thing. But... Um, the most crucial form of communication is what do they call it? Intrapersonal communication mm-hmm. with yourself. I mean, Liz hit on it a while ago, but she never she never titled it as such, you know. But it's basically being honest with yourself. She she did mention um, keeping keeping an awareness while you're while you're listening. That was that was very close, I believe, uh, what you said. But when you're living your life, if you're if you're taking the taking everything in and filing it in the wrong drawers, you know, and and deceiving yourself partly on things, trying to shade things certain colors and and push them this way because it's more comfortable, um, what you're going to wind up with is an inaccurate map of your environment. And you of know, yourself. Do you, uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I'm talking about, Liz? I mean, I'm yeah. Here. Yeah, you're making full so, um Critical thinking skills, would you say that would be important? Critical thinking is thinking, and critical thinking is the part of it that's without emotion because one of the things that are distractions are emotions. Um, You can see that when two people disagree. If one gets angry, the communication is over. (laughs) Don't even keep trying. (laughs) It's done. They aren't going to hear a thing. Mm -hmm. And... um, and that's because it became emotional. If the two were both doing critical thinking at the same time, the problem would find solution almost 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I won't say 100% of the time, but almost 100% of the time because they'd both be figuring out how to solve the problem together. When one gets angry, there's no more critical thinking. It's all emotional. And... A lot of times, like because of my experience and stuff like that, anger to me is a waste of time. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just uh, yeah. an incredible waste of time. And I'm not going to say I'm unemotional now. <laughs> That's not what I'm sure. saying. But I am saying that I usually stop myself if I find myself um, getting angry and asking myself why. What is that triggering mm-hmm. that I'm getting angry about? And usually it's something else totally not even in the situation, you know. Right. It's usually something else, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that little stopping, that little couple seconds of stopping, you know, that count to ten thing or count to five thing, um, usually brings it right on tra- back on track. Mm-hmm. So I love that I think that anger is a waste of time. It's just... Uh, um, you could spend hours being angry and not talking to each other and walking out and hanging up and all that stuff. And where did it get you? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. David and I are pretty solid with our understanding of this. We, you know, we believe that any emotion taken to extreme, any emotion, it could even be the ones that people think are good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, can can really be detrimental. You have to. The key is you have to understand where they're coming from. Once you understand what, as you said, what you know, once you understand where they're coming from and why they're happening, then you can now control them. Yep. Yep. Or deal with whatever is causing it so that you right. can let it go. Yeah. Well, the, sure. The most, the most common problem I see concerning emotions and, and even thoughts is people confuse <clears throat> their identity for that emotion or for that thought. They think that those emotions and thoughts are them, when, when in reality those things are products of them. Correct. And they get, they get trapped inside of it that way. Uh, kind of a, a few examples to vilify what we're talking about here. Let's say I have a goal, right? I have this, this idea of what I want to accomplish with my life. 
and of course it's going to contain money, you know, because nobody nobody plans on being broke. So I'm I'm striving for this this thing I'm going after, and I'm going to get it, and uh, I'm doing all the things required, and and all of a sudden, um, you know, Justin calls me up on a on a Wednesday night and wants to go out drinking. For some reason in my mind, because because that experience promises joy, I will not identify it as an enemy to what I'm trying to accomplish here. I won't see it as a distraction. Mm-hmm. I won't have the willpower to say, you know, Justin, this is a weeknight, dude. Let's do that on Friday. Mm-hmm. You know? And He's like that, too, I hear. He, he just yes. calls you up and, <laughs> yep, well, I a, hear that. He's in Reno <laughs> and I'm in Georgia, so that would never happen. But I'm, I'm going to use that as an example. But, uh, you, you understand what I mean? No, I, I do understand, and, and that's what I was talking about, the distractions. And and there's also, though, a balance because, um, as Justin had said about anything getting too extreme, going after your dream should be fulfilling. It should be joyful. Um, <clears throat> you should want to solve the problems. You should want to get rid of the obstacles, but it should not be 100% of the time. You must have fun. You must go out uh, with people. Mm-hmm. You must, you know, have some enjoyment of just relaxing and getting away from it sometime. And that's a clearing of the mind also because sure. the last thing you want is it to become obsessive. You don't, want, <laughs> you right. don't want it to be so obsessed with it that that's all it thinks about or that that's all you become. Um, and a lot of the coaching also is about the balancing of life and the eight areas of life that have to stay um, some attention to. And we we get off base with that. We don't pay attention to, um, and I'll tell you the one that we pay the least amount of attention to, and that's ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we take yeah. care of the family, and we take care of the friends, and, we, and we're there for... Um, <clears throat> perhaps churches and schools and and business and all of that and at the end of the day it isn't too often that we say okay so so what do i want right now what what would Why be kind of cool that, for me i find myself doing that you know uh early on in, in this path that i'm on you know which i hope will continue to grow and and stretch uh, over the years but when i was new to this path it was all about forgetting about everything about me, striving to serve as many as I can, striving to, to lift the little man up and all this. Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we forget about us? Again, I think it's because um, what is logical is that you would know yourself. You are you. You would know yourself. So, of course, that would need the least amount of time, but that's not true. Because we are always discovering things about ourselves. We are always changing. And um, we like to think we're not, but we change constantly as we learn something new, get a new belief, a belief changes a little bit, something Mm -hmm. adjusts, or someone teaches us something. Mm -hmm. Or we teach someone something. Um, Other people you get to look at. You get to look at your family and you get to ask them questions and stuff like that. Well, who asks you questions? Sometimes friends and families do. Sometimes a book does. But for people to just kind of sit with themselves, there's almost a feeling of, like, I don't want to be alone with myself. <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's like a fear of, because um, the hardest judge on you is you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yet, if you constantly look at yourself, if you tell yourself, I I even have an exercise for people. Go in the mirror and look at yourself and tell yourself what you would tell a friend if you were looking at that friend in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Be honest and open and tell all the good things about yourself and tell the things you don't like so much. And, And the point of that would be to get over the fear of being alone? The point of it would be if there are finding things that you don't like, now you can identify them and change them. Mm-hmm. You can also celebrate the things you're doing well. And I'm not talking about ego or conceitment or any of that. I'm talking about you're a good person. You're, 
And if you are doing things you don't like or things that are getting in the way or even some not-so-cool things, now you have the chance to change it instead of just allowing it to continue and ignoring it. Because lots of times we just push it aside. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, but I'm not going right. to think about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and then the next just... situation happens again. Yeah. Well, and we just keep doing it over of, and over. I try to have a degree of appreciation of, of all events as they're happening uh, through what Ken Wilber calls I, I amness. And that, that's pretty much the, the awareness of self in a situation. Being a like a not not necessarily a fly on the wall, but just a, an, an observation of the self doing what self does. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm quite fine with being alone, you know, because you know there's once you, once you get off into the world of philosophy, there's all kind of weird things that can happen to you. But uh, yeah, but uh, it's a lovely world. <laughs> it is, and I love what you bring up, David, because I am is probably the core of what humans want to know. They made a difference. There was a reason to be here. There's a reason for life. And people recognize that they're in this world. In other words, they are our I am. Mm -hmm. And I think one one of the things that people fear immensely is to not have mattered. And (laughs) and it isn't changing the world it isn't one person changing the world and we make it so grandiose like that it's one person changing your world for instance right now I'm in New Hampshire so my world is New Hampshire I'm not wherever you guys are so my world isn't your (laughs) we're just connected by a phone and now my world has become about talking to you, Justin, and talking to you, David, mm-hmm. and and having this um, uh, terrific experience of talking to you guys. But, <laughs> but it's not any bigger than that right now. Mm-hmm. This is how big right. it is right now. Mm-hmm. So can I um, have a wonderful conversation with you? Yeah, that that's that's the whole purpose, and that's that's what's so great about it, and and it will and does feel terrific to to be with you and that's my world right now so and we can do I think people make it too grandiose sometimes mhm we can have yeah. that on the work floor too yeah it's it's strange that people people go to work and they and they they do their thing for 8 8 10 hours and then they get off and they're so tired you know and and they did it as though they felt like it's a, a chore, and Justin yeah. talks about this as standing up to a river. You know, you can, you know, you can go down kicking or, or and screaming, or you can you can swim, you know, as hard as you can and, and go against it. But uh, they go into their job, they do their they do their time, they leave, and they feel so tired. But yet, the flip of the coin, you go to the gym, you work out, you know, you, you stress your muscles, you you, you walk out feeling like a million dollars. The only difference was is that you you thought of one as a chore and you thought of the other one as a hobby or a, you know your sport. Exactly, and it, now you're talking about perception yes. and what you are, um, what are you going to decide? How you're going to decide something looks? Mm-hmm. And I've <clears throat> a lot of times I've told teams that I've had, you are going to spend just about one third of your life at work. Yeah. And if you're going to tell me that you're going to hate it, that is a shame. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's going to be painful. It's going to suck. <laughs> you know, life is going to be really crappy if if you want to fight against a choice that you made, you know. Uh, Especially you when one-third is sleeping. So now right. we've gone to one half of your waking life you're not going to like. That that you shouldn't do that injustice to yourself. And yeah, I know that people are going to say, "Well, I needed this job right now." I, I, I'm with that. I I've taken jobs that I just just did not like, but I always knew it was going to get me to the next place. Right. <laughs> That's how I looked at it—a stepping stone—and never quit looking for something else. 
And it's really those goals again. Where do you where are you trying to get to? Right. And if and if you are going to settle and I hope I can be um upfront enough here, I guess I don't know, I guess in your face enough to the listeners and stuff. Do not settle. <laughs> yeah. Do not yeah. decide you have to do something because you're the only one that can make that decision. Absolutely. Joy. Mm-hmm. I preach that to David. He, he gets sick and tired of hearing it from me about choices. <laughs> about yeah. choices. My wife gets sick and tired of, you know, she'll, when she was going to school, she's my teacher. No, not your teacher, you. You. You made a choice to do this or this or this. Well, I didn't have any choice. You always have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, 99% of the chaos in the world that's going on around us and I, I use chaos as a as a good word because to me chaos is just stuff is just going on everywhere. Uh you know, and and ninety nine percent of that you have absolutely no direct influence over. Mm-hmm. However, you have a hundred percent direct influence on how you take this all in. That's a choice. And the other ugly cousin taking responsibility. Yeah, yeah. We all I feel, I feel a lot of displaced responsibility in the world too. Well, there is because people are giving away their choices. As, well, there's as, a lot as, of people. There's a lot of uh, people I think through, have been taught through, and some of this is history. Mm-hmm. Some of this is um, the way that society was set up and the way that it continued, and and people thinking that they can't make new rules for society. Well, yes, you can make new rules for society. And we see it change all the time. I mean, look at the 60s. Holy moly, if that wasn't a huge change in society, I don't know what was. I mean, that was, you know. um, And that was a bunch of of college kids and and 20-year-olds and and teenagers changing how society was dealing with things at that time. not saying it was all good. Because it probably wasn't all good, but but once that movement started, um, uh, my point is that it's very difficult to squash it once those changes get such a momentum. Yeah. Sure. And <clears throat> and that's how much power people have. Now people have been taught they're powerless. They, for some reason, believe the world happens to them, or that. Right that uh, society and all of that stuff happens to them, that isn't true. You happen to the world. The world does not happen to you. The world, the world uh, basically isn't alive, in case anybody didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Laying it out for you. <laughs> Telling it like it is. Yeah, hey, that, that's all right. That's all right because, uh, you know, David will drive the float and, uh, you know, well, we'll parade it through the streets because what you're saying is 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 the damn truth. It, it's you know it's you're right. People people feel powerless because uh, you know from from whenever this started, they need to understand they are society. Every one of us is society. Yeah. And, and exactly. depending on our choices and depending on our actions, we will mirror that or we will not mirror that. But you know you you have the choice. You either go along or you change it. It's just the way it is. It is the way it is. And throughout history, from the beginning, uh, there was a holding down. There was um, making sure that people didn't understand that they did have power. It's like um, kings and queens telling you we'll crush you if you don't do exactly what we say. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and uh, armies coming in and saying, well, you're trying to um, revolt, so we're now going to crush you. And it's really that kind of, that kind of history. And it didn't happen as much as, as it sounds like it happened. But it's that kind of telling you to anticipate that something might happen should you not agree with me, basically, Mm -hmm. was what they got everybody to believe. (laughs) And again, that's untrue. But they got people to believe that you you have to follow the few. 
and it's not true. It's it's not true at all, and especially here in the United States. Um, our forefathers, uh, I don't mean to get into history here, guys, but our forefathers well, well, were very, very smart in saying, do not follow the few. Because <laughs> a lot of bad things can happen when you do that. And I'm not I'm not tanking on the government or anything like that. I'm just saying that when people come together, if everything, every decision we made was about life for humans, a lot of things and, perspe- and perceptions and perspectives would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of rules would change. A lot of the way we look at each other would change. And... Um, even the judgments would change. You know, you like the color red, I like the color blue. Um, how could you like the color red? What a dumb, stupid color. Well, that, what a dumb statement. Yeah. David is impartial to purple, just, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, purple is uh, a passionate color, by the way, you know. He's a very passionate man. No, <laughs> good for him. Seriously, good for him. Use, uh, you can use history all you want because what we're talking here is a cause and effect relationship. You do exactly. this, you get out of it that. And yeah. what we have in history is a documentation of this is what happened and this is what result. It's ironclad. It's locked in. It's not going to change unless right. they rewrite the history books. So, so we can we can use history. It's it's perfectly suitable. Right, and and your cause and effect is a wonderful example of when something happens, okay, somebody says you guys have to all go over into that field, (laughs) all you millions of people and all that stuff. It always has the example and the cause and effect that the reason why that occurred is because no one said no in mass, I should say. No one stood up, the whole group of people, and said no, <laughs> mm-hmm. because they were too fearful. Yeah. It happens even in business. And again, that thing again, I'm going to get fired if I disagree. Well, that is normally not true. Normally, businesses want you to speak up and want you to um, say Mm -hmm. what can be done better in a business and the whole bit. In fact, the people that do that often are the ones going up the ladders, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the ones that are saying, I can solve this, I can can help you with that. The ones that are staying silent become invisible. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then complain and that they, nobody listens to them, and that's what they feel they have to do to to survive that situation. Yeah. When, when in reality, uh, management is begging for input. They have a the places that I've came from. They have a little member suggestion box, and they they give incentive incentives for for members to contribute uh, ideas about what they can what the company can do to improve uh, safety or you know production quality, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's itemized, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah they they want that. And people feel like, uh oh, got to keep my nose down, don't make eye contact, and yeah. just make it through Cause, this thing. Because somewhere they learn that. And I love, um, with team members, one of the little guidelines I would always give them is, you absolutely can come to me and tell me that you feel something isn't working. I encourage you to come to me and tell me something isn't working. Now, <laughs> if you did that all the time, it's going to sound like complaining. I'll be right out front with you. Right. Sure. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how to make sure that's not what anybody thinks. You not only come with me, come to me with why something's not working, you come to me with the solution exactly. also. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm notorious for that, uh, where, where you know, people would come and, and complain and say, okay, uh, you, you know, usually it's one of these. Well, look, Joe, you're preaching to the choir here, because I see this problem. I have absolutely no idea how to solve it. So, why don't you take that with you and bring me a solution so that yeah. we can solve this thing? You know, sometimes uh, they don't, but other times you'll be surprised. They'll come back to you and say. Look, man, 
you couldn't solve this, but let's let's look at this or let's try this or. And then they're yep. even taking ownership of it at that point because Absolutely. now look, they're solving the whole thing and and now you're congratulating them and telling them how amazing they are and and uh, wow, you solved this problem and now you guys really are a team because you solved this whole thing. I'll give you a quick example. When I do when I do new hire and orientation, okay, I work in loss prevention. Typical loss prevention orientation is something like this. If you bozos think you're going to steal in my building, I'm going to catch you and I'm going to arrest you and I'm going to humiliate you and all this great stuff. That's probably what's going to happen to you. However, if you say it like this, uh, Sarah, if you steal from this building, you're stealing from your neighbor Joe or they're sitting right next to you. You're stealing from each other. You're not stealing from me. You're not stealing from the company. You're stealing from each other. As you said about the ownership, if you impart that, if you give them that ownership just with those simple little statements, You'd be amazed on how, how how much more passionate people become about what they do and and, and about the things that are less desirable that happen in business. Yep, absolutely. Once they feel a part of it, once it is their team also, and a lot of times what happens is businesses will say, um, you know, you're this department and you're that department and you're whatever department over there, and, and um, instead of saying... This this is this whole business reflects you, and whatever you do reflects on this. <laughs> and um, and the better we do, the more we can do for you. <laughs> you know, I always worked off of a sense of pride, also, because <clears throat> you know I worked in a Fortune 500 company. <clears throat> they had they had two eight-hour shifts. I was the day shift. Another guy was the night shift. And I always looked at it like, this is my job. This is what I do, you know. There's only one plant like this in this state. There's only one machine like this in this state, and I'm the one that's on it. So this is mine. Nice. I did the same thing with my teams. It's my team. It's mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they are going to be just amazing individually and together. And that's another part of a team is... We forget to look at them individually, and you really need to because each member has their own goals as well as the team goals. Mm-hmm. I would hope they do anyway, and I've always encouraged that. Where do you want to go as an individual? And this is going to help you get there. And now it's yeah. more personal because if being part of that team is going to help me get to my dream, I'm probably not going to mess it up. <laughs> no, no. Another principle, and, and this doesn't even just apply to business, this applies to, to everything, you know. Every one of us out there, and all of you that are out there listening right now, are a leader uh, at one point or in some capacity. It was about five years ago that I realized that this is the kind of leader I want to be because this is the leader that gets stuff done. And this is a quote uh, from Lao Tzu, to lead people walk beside them. People do not notice the existence of the best leaders. The next best are honored and praised. The next are feared, and the worst are hated. When the best leader's work is done, people think they've done it themselves. Now, to me, that, that's one of the most powerful things that you can do in your life is to, you know, I, I kind of kid with David when we talk offline about uh, some of the other things we're into, you know, and people come to us um, and ask for this and that, and, and I always tell people, if you walk behind me, I'm gonna walk. I'm just gonna keep walking. I'm gonna leave you standing back there. If you walk in front of me, when you're not looking, I'm gonna turn around and walk the other way. But if you're walking next to me, we'll do this together, and we'll both. It'll be ours. And exactly. you know, and I think that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here because it's, it, it, as you said, it's very important. If you can get an individual to succeed. <clears throat> To get that drive within, that that amazing push inside themselves, you have done them a service that will go on for years mm-hmm. when you are no longer with them because now they will succeed and go after things and, and continue that drive on their dream. And it will be because <clears throat> you guys, uh, because these two people came together for a while. and I And I call it, um, something similar, I guess. I, I call it servant leadership. 
If I am a leader, I am there to serve you. I am there to serve mm-hmm. the team. Um, you are not there uh, to exactly serve me in the same way. I am there to take the obstacles out of your way. I am there to encourage you. I am there to tell you just how amazing you are and that you need to believe that also. And <clears throat> I mean that in a serving way that it is something that will last longer than just uh, day-to-day. It will last into the years. And hopefully you'll serve someone in the future also. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like that saying. Uh, when I bring it up, um, <laughs> most of uh, top leaders got to get used to that. <laughs> Hearing that they're a servant. (laughs) Well, they are. (laughs) But they are. They are a servant. You have to be. (laughs) A teacher is a slave to the student. That that is how it has to be. But it's an amazing, beautiful thing. It is. And it's just because of the word. And again, from what we're taught, and what we hear, servant sure. and, and things like that, don't go in so well. But if you serve others, you will have amazing things happen to you all through your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see, uh, <clears throat> I find a lot of um, bosses, the, the natural progression is that you're working up through the ranks and, and you get so high, you're a crew boss and you have your team. And, um, Somebody gets a bad attitude and just dysfunctionalism breaks out like a rash, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they start playing these little games like somebody's um, scared that they're going to work a little bit harder than somebody else, and all this stuff. How can how does a a person go in and change that uh, change that attitude of the group effectively? Well, if I was in a group and. <clears throat> And this has happened to it. I call it the sabotaging employee, mm-hmm. uh, sabotager. And um, sometimes you're going to find that. Uh, luckily, it's on the lesser end. But immediately that needs to be confronted. Um, I None of that behavior should be allowed to go by. And um, that's another thing that people seem to be a little hesitant about in confrontations and yet they're your best defense for all of it. And you're going to ask this employee, what is it that they want and where are they trying to get to, and their behavior is not getting them to where they want to be. However, on the bottom line, if you do not stop what you're doing, you're gone. (laughs) I don't mess, okay? And I'm not a counselor, and I'm not um, there to hold your hand, I am there to bring out the best in you. But you have to decide that that's what you want. Mm -hmm. So um, probably the best thing that could happen is that that employee is gone. That would uplift the rest of the team and the whole bit. And I'm saying that only when they decide, because I never fire anybody. I have never fired anybody in my life except that they have left work because it was their choice not to change. Mm No, yeah, I signed the paper. <laughs> I signed the termination paper. But it isn't me that fires you. You fire yourself. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that's, and that's just the way it is. You fire it yourself. It is that you way. Because, because that I've, given, I've given you every opportunity, every single opportunity to be a part of the team. I have even taken extra time because my also my philosophy is, If I have an ace employee that I just need to maintain, that's pretty easy. If I can turn around somebody who is, we'll say, struggling a little bit and make them an ace, then I've really done something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you're going to decide that you're going to sabotage for just because the world is against you, I'm sorry, we can't play with you anymore. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen that happen a lot, uh, and I understand that the... The companies that I have in mind, I, I can see that as their goal. They really don't want to let anybody go because they've already invested money in training and all this other stuff. But uh, they're hurting themselves I, more. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never um, 
I never heard it put so precisely, you know. So, uh, you know, just a one conversation turnaround. It's more of a they just keep doing little ineffective things with them, trying to trying to nudge them in the right direction. Uh, an employee like that has to have it so bottom line and spelled out. There is none of this little stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, okay, you you cursed that so and so, so don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay, so they're not going to curse, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're going to push them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're going to go to them and you're going to say, now, now don't push them anymore. So they're not going to curse and they're not going to push. They're going to trip them. Either right. or something. No, you got to be bottom line. <laughs> all the behaviors going away, mm-hmm. all of it, and we're watching you for six months. <laughs> Forever. So, so going well, no, you always got to give them a, a time because otherwise right. you, you lock them into a prison. So you don't well, want to do that. You have to help them set a goal, right? Exactly. So, it, so is me the guy that's going up the corporate ladder here and I'm I'm really putting forth 110%. Um, and my boss, he is just a, a glutton for fame, I guess. And, and he's <laughs> taking all the credit for everything that I do. So that I can't get I can't get above him or beside him or whatever. He's just totally covering me like a basketball player, you know, he's not letting me nowhere near it. Yep. Um, what do I do about you know, I'm putting forth all the effort, I'm doing all the work, you know. Yep. He's just sitting in the office playing solitaire all day. Yeah. So so what can I do to advance myself and put you know put put myself where I belong? Well, <clears throat> there's two things you could do. Um, you can tell him. Now, somebody like that probably um, is going to come back and say, what are you talking about? I, I, I did that. What, what are you talking about saying, you know, whatever? Well, if he does that, that pretty much tells his character. <laughs> um, so at that point, I guess I would look for another job. I'm going to go to some place where I can excel. I don't right, have to stay there. Because he's probably not going to get rid of you, because if he gets rid of you, then he loses his cash cow, too. So you're probably yep. going to have to leave on your own, right? Yeah, that's one thing you can do. You can also go to Human Resources. You can um, copy everything on your email that you sent him. You can go to his boss. Um, that's why their bosses are there. And, and you know, right. there's this thing about, oh, my goodness, um, um I talked to him and nothing happened, uh, but if I go to his boss, I'll be jumping the ladder. No, that's that's why the that's why the ladder's there. Yeah. So you talk to him, and you go to his boss and you say, "Look, I I, I just want credit for the stuff I did. That's all. Uh, I'm not trying to you know make a big deal here or, or a huge thing, but I want credit for the work that I've done. I think that's fair. And here are all the reports. Here are all the stuff I did for him." Um, if nothing happens at that point, I'm leaving. I'm going to another place. You guys don't want to give me credit, um, then I'll go to some place that does. Right. Sounds pretty sound. You're never locked. Never yeah. locked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you lock yourself. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that can. And these are these. This goes back to what do I want? Where am I trying to get to? Um, you can, I think the days of the 25-year companies um, really in people's minds should be over. Um, there isn't that much loyalty anymore that you take care of your employees for 25 years. And, and, I'm, not, and I'm not making a judgment there. It's just in this economy um, part of society that has changed. Once upon it's a time fact, yeah. you went and you worked somewhere for, you know, 25 years and got a watch when you left. Those days are kind of over uh, because there are such a pool of um, mm-hmm. talent and things like that. And there's so many dreams out there and so many things that people want to do that they go from place to place. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing wrong at working at a place for five years and then going to another place for two or three or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'll... I'll uh, tell you that you might want to get vested at each place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with getting four pension checks instead of one. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. 
and that's just the other side of benefits and stuff like that. Well, you, you've given you've given some real sound advice today, and I hope that uh, people can can take this. And I believe we were very plain and explicit. I believe they'll be able to adapt it to their lives and, and use it uh, some of it. And uh, you know, depending, we're all in different situations, but there are generalities that can be made. We all want better, right? Everybody sure. wants better. So sure. maybe, maybe, maybe they'll use that. Um, well, I hope so, and and I hope without the judgments, because if if you want to be a fisherman, and you love that, great. I'm not going on the boat with you, but uh, <laughs> right. you know, if that's what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, along the way, we said a doctor was better than I don't know. I guess a fisherman. I'll, I'll, but in my mind, that's not necessarily true. Doctors have attitudes. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Anybody who's a doctor, I'm just kidding around. <laughs> now he's going to get all kinds of calls of saying, "What she say about doctors?" <laughs> Dave, Dave is very good at uh, uh, deleting hate mail. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're, we're covered. <laughs> well, I don't mean it like that. I hope nobody takes it. I'm just trying to say, once you find your dream. Um, you know, get to the end of your life and don't say, I wish I had. Just yeah. just don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything else you... Give our guests the, the opportunity to, to kind of leave our audience with that, with a, you know, one-two combination. Is there anything you want to uh, leave them with? And we also want to give you the opportunity to point people in the direction of where they can find your work and things like that. Well, that would be an absolute joy if people would come and, and visit my website. Um, I'll give it to you twice. It is, and it's all kind of uh, together, but it's words, and it's song, like in singing, song of oneunexpectedlife.info. Mm-hmm. And that's song of oneunexpectedlife.info. And on there, if you'd sign up for the free newsletter, that would be terrific also. I just like to kind of stay in touch, and what I do with that is just give tips um, on life coaching and and different things about team building and all kinds of stuff. I just send them out once in a while. hope people can use them. And um, if anyone was interested in any of the books there on Amazon or my website or Barnes & Noble or any, any of those places, so that would be an absolute joy, um, and it's been an amazing pleasure talking with both of you. And I hope Great that time. people simply believe in themselves. Uh, you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish, and and just give um, see your life as as how great it is, can be, will be, always is, all of that. And you can do it whatever you wish, whatever you wish with it. Miss Cosline, it is always a delight to meet people that we that we feel like you know they got their stuff together and they're out there helping other people, and uh, they're contributing to the world. So, I mean, we we can't tell people enough how how pleasurable it is just to find other beautiful people. So, thanks for doing what you do. Well, I I agree, David, and it was great to meet both of you, and and uh, I can see that you do beautiful things too. So um, I look forward to the next time that we meet up again. <laughs>